Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and we're still at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 11. And boy, are we going to have a time today. It's a lot of great content, so stick with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking for His blessing, and then we'll have to look at something that might just drive us up upside down and, and insane, <laughs> as to understand that everything that we've covered up to this point was done not necessarily because of the choices that people made, but because in God's sovereignty, he knew that they would make them, and he put them into these scenarios, and he brought them through these scenarios, all so that we in our modern day would have something to look back on and a framework of, of what not to do. What a thought! Just, just saying. We're going to dig into it today, so... Let's ask Jesus' blessing. Father, we are grateful. We ask that you will watch over us. We pray that you will guide and direct us in this, this hour, Lord, that you will bless us with the richness of your word, that we may feast thereupon and, and grow. Lord, we, again, are just so grateful for everything that you have done, for who you are, and how, Father, that you govern us and watch over us and care for us as your children. God bless us as we enter into our time of study of your word today, and it will be well with our soul in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 11. Let us consider the words and the meaning behind them as of this verse. Now, he says, all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, it's frightening to consider <laughs> that the sum of our life has already been known and indeed has actually been determined. Now, understand that I'm not one that, that is a huge proponent of determinism. This is a term that is used in Calvinist circles so as to, uh, as to assume that Every detail of your life has already been determined by God, and so that there is nothing about your life that is given of free will or the potential of, of choosing because from before you were even born, God knew the span of your life and had already determined all the things, rather the good things or the bad things, that all the things would be uh, that you would do in your life had already been known of God and, and, and have already been planned. This is also connected to the concept and doctrine of predestination, that much of who we are and what we've done already thus far in our past are things that we were, needless to say, destined to be or do or not do. And, and it's very important for us to grasp the concepts that that are the the span of separation between man and God. For the Apostle Paul himself, as concerning again the, the book of Romans between chapters 8 and 11, teaches us about predestination. He explains that that there are some things that we are predestinated for. And in fact, the entirety and some of our lives can fall under the realm of predestination. For we would expect 
that our holy God, who indeed, one, is sovereign, and two, is omniscient, he means he knows everything, and three, as creator, is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful, we would expect that this, our God, would, would know, okay, would, would be able to see and know everything. Meaning that, that if you look at the perspective of God from where he sits upon his throne in heaven and the ability that God has to be able to see the earth, to be able to see under the earth where the people in Sheol or hell or Hades, call it what you wish, will be, uh, when you have the ability to see the beginning of your creation to the end events of, of the new heaven and new earth all at one time within this frame, then you would, you would easily be able to understand that God would know every single life that would come into this world, that he would know every single detail of every single soul that would, that would be born, for he is the author of life and creator. So, these are not difficult necessarily concepts to be able to wrap our heads around, Except on mankind's side, we love the idea of freedom. We love the idea of independence. We love the idea of, of choices that we're able to make and, and that, that we have that freedom to be able to choose. Even if it would be that we would choose death, we still want that freedom to be able to choose. And it's a lot like children that... that would love the the freedom to be able to choose the things they want to do, the places they want to go, the the stuff they want to watch, and and all of these different things. We would consider the the power of free will, and of course, with children and parents, parent understand parents that that free will is something that's existing inside of man because the children wish they were free. The children want to be free to do what they want to do. But that's where often the, the will of the parents come in that supersedes the will of the children. And there are a lot of things about a child's life as they're growing up that a parent has already determined, has already predetermined before the child even gets the choice. And, and so it's very important to understand that if a parent was to give the complete and total liberty to a child to be able to make the choices that they wanted to make without, without uh, like giving them any kind of direction, but that if you make the wrong choice, I'm going to crush you, then that child is either going to, one, live under a constant fear of getting crushed at any given moment, or... They will live without fear of, of the, the authorities over them and, and will do as they please regardless of what uh, punishment might be doled out because the, the supposed freedoms to them are worth the risk of anything that could come down the line. 
So the point of determinism is actually something that is a good thing within the home because as the parent sees the child's life and the potentials in the child's life and and knows a great many more things than the child could possibly know about that life that they've born into, that that there are moments that, that be determined, some areas where choices would be given for them to be able to make. But of course, we see that in the scriptures with several of the if-then scenarios that God would paint for mankind to face a choice. But there are some things that, that are not left up to choice because These are the things that God has already determined from before the foundation of the world. Things like salvation are not uh, under under a a banner of if you'll you know choose. Now we see it as a banner of I can choose Christ or reject Christ, but it's actually not uh, within the realm of free will. For we know that all who hear the gospel and and reject it are not going to have the availability at the end of their life to to be able to switch that card your last breath is the determined end of you rather you have received christ and at that moment you breathe out that last breath your spirit leaves your body and is carried unto the throne room of god evermore to be with the lord or you have rejected Christ and you breathe out that last breath and the devils of hell drag you into the pit. I mean, that's just the the pure and simple determined outcome of the end of your life. Now, the important point about that is, is your life is determined. God has, as it is said in Hebrews chapter number, I believe 10 and verse 27, that there is an appointed time for you to die. So God has already determined the length of your span of life. Now, how you leave this earth is entirely, we don't know. We don't know if it's a peaceful, quiet leaving, if it's a martyr's death, if it's getting hit by a bus or or, or, uh, illness or or just flat out heart stops beating. Uh, these all these things are possibilities every day when we open our eyes is purely by the grace of God that we we have this breath we have this time and so we understand that that life is fragile that the time of our passing is appointed by God and that at that passing we we don't get to do a reset. A lot of people have the idea that they're going to be able to stand before God and say, well, you know, I've, I've done a really a lot of good things, and so I'm sure that the good things that I've done will outweigh the bad that I've... Yeah, okay, no, nobody's perfect. We, we start passing the buck and trying to say, well, I was, I was at least as good as all the goody-goodies. Anyways, I believe, I feel that I have a place with you in heaven. I don't believe you should cast me out. But everyone who has that mindset is utilizing a, a standard that man has set for what is good and what is evil. And that standard is not a standard at all. It's completely subjective to 
however that person feels that they've done in comparison to the world that they see around them and say, well, I'm not as bad as all those others, so certainly I should be able to get into heaven. But when you consider that that all of these things, like the wilderness journey for Israel, like the, the serpent that was that was set on a pole and raised up that we saw yesterday in Numbers 21, or like the the, the, the challenge of Moses not being able to go to the other side because of smacking that rock and not being able to go into the promised land instead of speaking to the rock like it was supposed to do even in his rebellion. And all of these examples, we see that, that people didn't get to do what they wanted to do. People didn't get to go where they wanted to go. People didn't get their way because God is as much... a, a king and a ruler as he is a father and he's got a bunch of kids that are absolutely rebellious to him so he's gonna have to discipline them so he's gonna have to chastise them now the 40 years that were sent were sent wandering in that wilderness they weren't wandering around aimlessly at all god if you recall was leading them by a cloud over them during the day and a pillar of fire at night and as the clouds stopped and stayed in a place, the people stopped and stayed in that place, likewise with the pillar of fire. So it's not like these folks were just willy-nilly making random choices and wandering around as they decided for themselves. They were actually under the provision of protection of God, and they were only moving as God was allowing them to move in the direction God was allowing them to move. Needless to say, even in that 40 years, their, their direction and their appointment of life was determined by God. And so, it's really interesting when you start just studying out the ideas, when you start looking at the points that all these things would happen. Isaiah would walk the trade route for three years naked, that Ezekiel would be laid upon his his right side for 390 days and then be flipped over to his left side for, for 40 days. I mean, you you look at these different things and these people, you've got, uh, what, Hosea that that would be married to Gomorrah and, and, and you know, the, the difficulty of her going back into prostitution and slavery and a society around him mocking him because he married a prostitute and all of this. At, at God's command. Hosea didn't just determine, well, you know what? She's so beautiful, even though she's a prostitute and has been with many people. I'm, I'm going to claim her to be my own just because she's pretty. No, God told him, marry that woman. And the whole purpose behind that was to reveal the nature of the people of Israel to God and how that they abandoned God and chase after the gods of this land and, and, and commit harlotry, idolatry, with God and adultery by chasing after all this other stuff. So even Hosea's life was was determined of God when, when he led him through these things, and the purpose was for an example. I mean, Hosea's life was an example, and Isaiah's life is an example, and and Moses's life was an example of, of the way that the people like w- was revealed when when Moses he come down off that mountain. That was a great question I think from Linda Watson is say okay well when Moses took those tablets of stone and he and he broke them all to pieces and it was an example that the people had had broken God's word they had broken God's law. 
And and thus you'll find at that point that twenty three thousand the ground just opens up and swallows them. Well, the the all of these things were things that God knew was going to happen. These things were, were things that God understood. Uh, the the seventy, I believe it was seventy thousand that were slain uh, from the numbering of the people that David was told not to number the people. When we get into First Kings and First Chronicles connection. And and David was said that not to number the people, but he did it anyways. And 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 many of them died because of the rebellious nature, the discipline that was upon David. But praise God, it was already known. These things were already determined. And and why? Well, First Corinthians chapter number ten is as the apostle Paul's been teaching through these points to be able to explain to this church of the rebellious nature of God's children throughout the ages for the purpose of being able to correct the ship in this modern day, which, by the way, is why we desperately need to understand and know the the Old Testament is because that is given to us, the whole Old Testament, God's law, the whole nine yards, is given unto us as examples. Now, you can see through all these examples that God had a standard for his people to live by is called his law. And even in the in the old covenant point that the people did not live by God's covenant, by God's law and his law and his covenant are connected together. And so that that because they did not obey God, they had to go through a great amount of suffering. For God is a father that will not be ignored. And God is not a genie of the Bible that can only be worshipped when it is time to deliver me from a difficulty. God doesn't play that game. So we see that that all of these different examples that would take place through all of these different people's lives of the old covenant that are being taught here in in the age of the new covenant and by the way the scripture does not say that Jesus abolished the old covenant the reality is is that Jesus revealed the fulfillment of that covenant in in that new covenant so the new covenant is actually exactly the same as the old covenant, only that the Messiah or our Christ is revealed as the fulfillment of every single one of those prophecies, is revealed in the fulfillment of the 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 forgiveness of God to the penalty of the law. Don't have to sacrifice a lamb every year the time of Yom Kippur, which will be tomorrow and Thursday. I, I don't have to sacrifice a lamb every year to be able to have my sins forgiven for that year for the perfect lamb of God has come and fulfilled that requirement. I don't have to be at the temple for for the time of of Pesach and the time of Shavuot and the time of Sukkot. I don't, I don't have to go with this pilgrimage three times a year because Jesus satisfied that he satisfied those requirements in himself now I am I am capable of coming to you my lamb of God coming to my Christ and 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 I don't have to be in a certain place wearing a certain clothes doing a certain thing except I choose to this is something where I do have that liberty to be able to choose 
but I, I don't have the, the liberties of ignoring two-thirds of the Bible because I feel it doesn't apply to me when certainly it would be like ignoring the teachings of my earthly dad and, and as he would lay down rules of the home, as he would lay down uh, works of the chores, as he would lay down all, all of these different things. I will ignore the rules of the home. I will ignore the chores that are needed to be done as, as a son growing up. And I will only acknowledge the the money that would be given to me maybe as an allowance and the outings and all of the fun stuff that we get to do. So I'm not going to obey what your commands are, and I'm not going to obey what the rules of the home are, and I'm not going to obey uh, the, the chores that I need to, to do in order to make the allowance, but I'm going to expect the allowance even though I don't give the work, and I'm only going to acknowledge the the, the going to towns and the and the good times and the, and the games and everything else. That's the only things I'm going to acknowledge. It doesn't even make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense, but that's exactly the way that we we treat God if indeed we're going to ignore literally in in that Old Testament more than two-thirds of the whole Bible. And and as an example that we're talking about here is the recognition that in the first ten verses of, of Scripture here in 1 Corinthians, it's all about the Old Covenant. So when you go through Romans, you're going you're gonna to visit the Old Covenant. When you go through James, the Old Covenant. Jude, the Old Covenant. Uh, even the majority of the Gospels is Jesus teaching about those things as the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. So much of your New Testament, your New Covenant, Rather, they're the epistles of the of the or the letters that would be written by the apostles, or rather, they're the gospels or even Revelation, which will never be understood unless you go back into the old covenant to see those things prophesied that are happening in Revelation. You don't have a New Testament without the Old Testament, and in fact, when you consider the churches. For the for the first, and I always make this mention of time frame because it's the reality before Rome stepped in to the body of Christ, which was a devastation that still exists to this day. Well done, Rome. But for the first 300 years, certainly for the first 100 years, as we know that the Apostle John had lived up to 99 years of age, for the first 100 years after the 33rd year of Christ's life and his death on the cross, that, that we see in his resurrection, by the way, powerful event, that we see that the Old Testament is that which is already being used by the church as, as a direction of their faith in Christ being fulfilled through that whole thing. The, the New Testament hasn't even been compiled and completed until you get into the 300s. <laughs> So you you in this modern day have the luxury of thinking you can separate yourself from the old covenant as assumedly that has been abolished which would mean that you just replaced 
uh, everything to do about Christ, about his plan, about the plan for Israel, about the point of the church, the whole nine yards, just by sticking to the New Testament. Whereas you would discover that <laughs> just about all of your New Testament literally is, is a fulfillment of the teachings of the Old Covenant, just like what you're seeing here. All these things of the Old Testament, all these things of, of Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all these things are examples <laughs> To, to neglect them or to forget them or not know them to begin with because you've been taught that they don't matter is to lose the whole concept of who God is. To only, to only try and know God from the New Testament is to be able to know God completely because, not because the Old Testament's been abolished, but because much of the New Testament teaches the Old Testament. <laughs> Jesus teaches the Old Testament. So it would probably do well for us to learn that Old Testament so that we can know what Jesus is saying a little bit better. <laughs> Just some thoughts that come off the top today. But understand that the scripture reveals here in verse number 11, all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our need, for our purpose and admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, we're closer to the time of the, of the end events, so we need all the more to understand the things that have been so we can see the things that are coming and realize where we're at in the middle. You know, Jeremiah, when when th there's a beautiful place in prayer with, with Jeremiah because he, he is reading about the desolations that would be spoken of by, by the, uh, Daniel. Let me, let me see if I get this straight. No, I've got it backwards. My mistake. Daniel actually was reading the the work of Jeremiah the the prophet and was reading about the devastation of desolations that would be over the people for 70 years that Israel would be barren and be a desolate land for 70 years and then God would restore her and and Daniel was able to recognize that in his life that that 70th year as he had tracked that time from the from the destruction that was prophesied of of Jeremiah of Babylon coming in and reading of the weeping prophet in lamentations he he was able to calculate the period of time to where Daniel was in his life in the kingdom during that period uh, which case he would have been in the Persian kingdom during that period. And it was just at the onset of the Persian kingdom under Cyrus that, that there was going to be a decree by Cyrus, the emperor of Persia, to, to release the people of Israel back into Jerusalem to be able to rebuild their temple. And at that, you have the book of Ezra coming in. And Jeremiah, well, not Jeremiah, but Daniel was the regent that was caring for the kings during this period of time, which, by the way, this is also during the time of Esther, which, which was chosen wife by, by uh, um, 
Persian king. And and indeed, you would. I I personally think that that this Cyrus that you'll find that releases the children of Israel back into the Promised Land to be able to build the temple actually would be a, a son of Esther, which is really pretty exciting because she had received favor in the sight of of Artaxerxes or of Xerxes and and was able to, uh, you know, the whole nine yards with Haman and and the whole nine yards with Mordecai and the book of Esther. So you've got, you've got uh, Jeremiah making prophecy before these events happen. Then you have Babylon, and you have the captivity of Daniel, and then you have the, the Persian, the Medo-Persian overthrow of Babylon, where Daniel still is, is in the hand. He, Daniel makes it all the way through that particular kingdom before Greece comes in. And, and is still in existence and as a regent for even the Medo-Persians. And then you have Esther connected to that. And then you have the, these, these other prophets like Ezra bringing in and rebuilding the temple and, and Nehemiah even coming through and building the wall of Jerusalem. All this was seen by Daniel and he began to rejoice and he began to, to praise the Lord because he sees the, the day of the 70 years coming to pass you wouldn't know any of that if you didn't have the old covenant. You wouldn't see any of that if if you didn't know the connection of the books of the Old Testament and the reality of the life that was being lived in that period of time. And by the way, you wouldn't know who you were as Americans if you didn't have your history. You wouldn't you wouldn't know. Uh, in fact, it's proven because a lot of of people don't even know where they come from, don't even know their founding fathers, couldn't even tell anyone the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence who they were and what they did. They don't they don't know the preamble to their constitution anymore nor the decalogue of their constitution in the first 10 amendments that would be ratified by by the 17 1780 to be able to protect the the reality of of all our society today they just they don't have any idea and so if we do not know our history we are going to fail in our future because we have no concept of who we are and our present we don't we don't have the richness of knowing where we came from and the the battles and the challenges that we've overcome to be able to even think about how we proceed to the future. And Christianity is the same. As we've largely blocked off all of the events that would be recognized in, guys, two-thirds of the Bible. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the battles and the challenges of the Old Testament, so as to think that, that none of that applies to us, that's all for, for a people that are long gone, which they're not, because God will never forsake his promises. And you see that over and over and over and over again. Throughout the Old Testament, you see the promise of God being kept over and over. If for nothing else that we would focus in on the reality of how God keeps his promises to his people. That would feed our fuel and our desire and fire for God is knowing that there is nothing that can overtake us, by the way. That's in our scripture here. Take a look at this. He says in verse number 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Ah, <laughs> you think you're something. Think again. 
And he, and he comes down and he says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. <laughs> all those addictions that you battle with, all of those issues that you're going through, all, all of the challenges you, you face, and nothing, nothing is too powerful that isn't normal to man. <laughs> like, for us, we consider it to be the most hateful, dreadful thing we've had to go through thus far in our life. We think that it is just amazing that no one else has ever had to deal with what we're having to deal with right now, that this is just some overpowering uh, thing that, that, how do I even handle this? I just don't know. And then God's word comes along and he says, these temptations cannot overtake you except what is common to man. In other words, you're not the only one that's going through this, man. There, there are a lot of people who have gone through the same issue. Now, they've handled it in different ways, which, by the way, is probably why we need to be a people studying the Word of God so that we can learn how others have handled the issues that we've gone through and or to realize that God's right there with us through the challenges that we're facing for the possibility that our life would be used as an example for other people's lives to be impacted by it. He says, There's no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. God isn't going to leave you. God isn't going to forsake you. God hasn't abandoned you. Indeed, it was said, well, I believe it was the third uh, God's Not Dead when this teacher was coming under fire from the, the school board and all of this because the, a child asked a question in her classroom of history and the teacher utilized uh, the Bible question that the child asked about the book of Matthew to be able to explain a period of time in history. And, and of course, a parent complained about it. The ACLU got a hold of it, and, and this teacher was brought to court and just tried to destroy her. And her father, as she was panicking and as she was crying and as she was praying and she was trying to figure all of this out, and her father spoke a line in this movie that said when the, he said you of all people as being a teacher should know that when the student is going through the test the teacher remains silent and that that is monumental in the challenges that we face in our life where we're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and, and we don't feel that God is listening or we don't feel that God is working or we don't feel that the communication exists in that moment. Indeed, you are going through a trial, but God is right there with you. God is faithful to you and he says he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But that, that make the way of escape in that, that with that temptation, you will also make the way of escape. Now, the test that the teacher is putting you through, just like all of the information that you would learn during the portion of study before the test would come, you were meant to practice to learn it so that when the test came, you were prepared to, to reciprocate that knowledge to be able to handle the test without fear and failure. But if you just drifted through that class like this guy did in many of the classes, if you drifted through that class and you gave no attention to the work that would be given to prepare you for the test to come and you faced test 
day, knowing that it was going to come, knowing that you were going to to be checked for the knowledge of the, the practice that you have put into this, but doing nothing with it when that test came and the anxiety was ripping through you and the, the, the oh, gripping fear was upon you and the, the all of these things that were happening in that moment where you're just, you're, you're hoping and you're praying for an answer, just closing your eyes and putting your pencil down and hoping that that's the right dot to fill in. I think plenty of us have probably done that before. If not, then I'm the only bad guy that didn't study. <laughs> well, understand that that God has been there the whole time. They, they didn't abandon you. They didn't forsake you. But they're not going to answer the questions for you because that was your part to study. And thus, it says there's no temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful and he will be there for you. And if you have been overtaken by this temptation, then it is because you did not learn of God. Because this is one of those areas of the if-thens you see throughout the Old Testament that God would say, if my people which are called by my name, then will I hear them. So it's very important that, that there are areas where God has left you to the choice that has to be made. And then there are areas where God leaves no choice. And, and there are punishments and blessings that are connected to both sections of those areas. And so there you wouldn't know this God. You wouldn't know about this reality for your own life if you didn't study that old covenant to see it. And thus, it isn't God that's providing the allowance for you to be tempted beyond that which you're able for their, the things that are happening in those temptations are that which is common to man. So this isn't something that is supernaturally above and beyond what anybody would be able to handle. God doesn't do that to man. But we understand that God has made the way of escape the way, also make the way of escape. God has made the way of escape. But if you haven't studied the test, you're not going to be able to see it. You're not going to be able to bear. Father, we we thank you for the blessing of this day. We thank you for these scriptures and for this teaching. We pray, Lord, that it would soak in. You will help us understand the importance, Lord, of the whole Testament. Not just dividing between new or old but recognizing that you are God over it all. That as you started us in the beginning, and as we see our fall and understand the nature of sin, that we need to be governed. And Father, we'll either be governed by the righteousness of our holy God, or we will be governed by our own self and our own desired principles. And as we follow the law of our own desire and principles, we will lead ourselves into destruction, which is why we need the law of God to be our guide. For you said that thy word was a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
Apart from your word, Lord, we have no sense of direction, no guidance or bearing. Therefore, Father, as we discover through Jesus' teachings all of the Old Covenant that He revealed in Himself, that we be a student of both covenants, so that we may know what is to come for Israel. And when we meet those who are from Israel, that we would better know how to communicate with them, as the Apostle Paul would say to the Jew, I became as a Jew that I might reach the Jews, to those under the law as under the law, that I might reach them that are under the law, as recognizing the freedom that they have in that law through Christ. For, Father, it is easy for us as Gentiles to be able to reach those who are Gentiles, for we understand well what it means to be a Gentile. And praise we praise you for that, Lord, that, that in Christ we would be adopted into the covenant, grafted into the tree. But, Lord, the tree was always there from the beginning. We were just simply grafted into it. So help us to understand these things. As we praise you, Lord, and as we learn and grow in Jesus' name and for his sake. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you and put his peace into your heart. And I'll catch you tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. Till then, take care.